You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. We call this month June, best ball season here on the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and here with Matthew, it's about to be double duty bets. That is right. This is, uh, I think, my last show before I enter dad life. So, yes, man, this is this is exciting times. We are uh, very much looking forward to the next week or two and embracing the craziness that is coming our way. So, for now, you know, enjoying this last week of the calm before the storm. But, dude, it's time to throw on those white New Balances, get the, the cell phone clip on the belt. I mean, we're entering dad life. Dude, you're, you're at the stage now where there's no turning back. Uh, we're recording this a bit early just to make sure that Betts and his wife Monica have some time because things things get crazy, and especially with twins, uh, gets even crazier. But yeah, I'm, I'm imagining you with one of those baby wraps in the middle of the night, just just kind of pacing, walking, making sure that one of your daughters is okay. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking about, hey, who should I draft as my QB3? <laughs> I might make some decisions this year in drafts based off what my daughters do, you know, um, let's say I'm stuck on the clock and I don't know who to pick. I might say if I open this diaper, it's number one. I'm taking Josh Allen. If it's number two, I'm taking Pat Mahomes. <laughs> so, might just make some silly decisions that way. So we'll we'll see what happens here in the Betts household. Now, if you want to, you can live the spreadsheet life as a parent. I did. I don't know if others of you did this, but I, for some reason, for our first child. I kept a very strict log of when they would go to the bathroom and what they would do and when we'd wake up and all this stuff. And I did that for the first two or three months until I realized that was insane. Like, what what am I using this data for? I was going to ask, was there any reason to do this or was this just one of your, you know, you like to format the spreadsheet, you like to track everything and just make sure everything's, you know, going well? I just wanted to conditionally format my child's pee habits. (laughs) And how'd that turn out? Uh, I thought... not too bad. I mean, one of my kids right now is finishing potty training. Like he's he's through the the major phase of adjustment. So yeah, I'm winning at parenting. But yes, bets 
is about to go on a little bit of a hiatus, a well-deserved hiatus. Uh, any of you that have kids know what that's like for the first couple of weeks. So uh, he will still be in and out in terms of content. He's probably going to be on the Twitter sphere. I feel like at Fantasy PT is still going to be alive and well. Maybe this is a new part of your Twitter game that you haven't experienced yet. That's tweeting about parenting. Dude, coming in hot. Yeah, make sure you hit the follow button. The The tweets will be flowing when you know we're hanging out. They're sleeping, they're eating, they're sleeping again. There's not much else to do. So yeah, you'll find me over there, but I'll step away from the show for a week or two and kind of get you know some time to adjust to that. We have some exciting guests coming on the show, and then uh, I'll be back you know, in a couple of weeks. But yeah, behind the scenes, I'll still be helping out, making sure the rankings are updated and the best ball primer and all that good stuff. So you guys won't miss me too long. Speaking of special guests, we're going to have uh, next week... One of our writers, Matt DeSorbo, who you've probably heard us reference a ton. Maybe you've read on the Fantasy Football's website. He's a Harvard PhD candidate. He's a little bit smarter than Betts and I combined. We've kind of already a little bit that. Cool. Yeah. And you and I combined. It's kind <laughs> it's of be, sad. It's going to be light years ahead of what people are used to on this show. <laughs> yes. And I will try to translate for the people. But no, Matt's great. Uh, we got to replace one Matthew with another. And you... And DeSorbo just put out an article. I'll let you kind of tease this before we get into a quick question. You guys put out an article unpacking best ball in terms of what does it look like for a player to have a ton of volatility? We talk a lot about players that are better in best ball. The classic Deshaun Jackson argument, Will Fuller, whoever you want. Uh, any quick takeaways? We're going to discuss that article next week, so, I don't, so I'm going to get more into that. But Anything for you that was just good to go through the data and then be able to interpret it for the people? Yeah, I mean, DeSorbo is so smart. So the data is overwhelming in and of itself when you kind of look at it. But when you take a step back and kind of get some takeaways from this from a fantasy perspective, it really just shows, you know, people sometimes are scared of down weeks in fantasy. And while in redraft, that is a huge, huge, uh, you know, it's not good for your team, you know, sitting there watching the the primetime games and you have... You have, yes, you have a Tyler Lockett classic 200-yard game, and then all of a sudden the next week he disappears from your roster. Last year that was super frustrating. But we should be searching for those types of players in best ball because basically what DeSorbo found is that when you increase the variance, the top range of outcomes increases, and that should make sense inherently. And so my biggest takeaway is, you know, let's not be afraid of those guys in best ball. Let's go after the Mike Williams huge spike weeks and be okay with the four for 25 yard games that he's going to give us. I'll take that over, you know, Hunter Renfro's steady five for 60 that he might give us this year. So yeah, don't be afraid to chase those high end outcomes. It will increase your win rate. And as we always talk about in best ball, if you finish fourth, it doesn't matter. You might as well finish last. So you got to finish in the top three if you want to get paid money. And if you're playing in best ball mania, you got to finish in the top two if you want to advance. So don't be afraid to chase ceiling. Uh, don't be scared of the floor. We'll be discussing players like Big Mike Willie, big big fans over here. Uh, today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about our best ball rankings and the best ball primer, which just came out. It's on the Fantasy Footballers website, part of the UDK Plus in the DFS Pass. You and I put our heart and soul into that. So let's give a freebie for the people. Give one big takeaway from you from our best ball primer. You and I went through every single team and looked at their team outlook, their team metrics. We looked at how you could stack them in terms of stackability, their ADP, our highest exposure rate, every single team in the NFL, we walked through that. So I think it's a great way to look at best ball. Instead of just player takes, you're looking at it from a team perspective. So what is one takeaway? 
And really, you're you're giving a piece of this thing out for free right now. Yes. The biggest takeaway that I found, I guess, not the biggest, but one of the biggest from the metric standpoint that we looked at, you know, we want to be trying to attach ourselves to teams who have upside. And usually upside in fantasy comes from, you know, pace of play, high volume of pass rate and those sort of things. You know, you don't want the slow offenses who are going to run the football. There's just not enough, you know, upside and ceiling in those offenses, typically, unless they're super, super, super efficient. So let's chase volume. Let's chase uh, ceiling, as we just talked about. When I looked last year at what the Bills did, I was like, man, I, I know they were pass heavy. and I know they ran a lot of plays, but I just wanted to see what was it specifically. So last year, Brian Dayball in Buffalo with Josh Allen, second in place per game, second in neutral situation pace, which basically, if you're not familiar with that term neutral situation, it just means when offenses are interacting together within one score. So seven points or less tells you a lot about what the team wants to do. Fourth in in pace and, and pass rate. So now you're looking at a team who's top five in all those metrics. I just wonder, looking at what the Giants did last year, does he bring some of that over to his offensive scheme with the Giants, who last year they were 24th in place per game, 13th in neutral situation pace, and 11th in pass rate? What happens to the Giants if they go from 11th, 13th, 24th to all of a sudden top 10 in all those metrics? I think there's a lot of ceiling with the Giants this year that's untapped that we're just not sure if it's there. But I'm going to be willing to find out my best ball stacks for sure. You and I have, weirdly enough, talked about the Giants this offseason, a team that we're high on in terms of the long shot. What value. could go wrong? What could no, go yeah. wrong, right? It's Daniel Jones, right? <laughs> so I'm looking at ADP right now. Daniel Jones is the QB 23. There is a wide range of outcomes with this player. I remember even in Dynasty, like they didn't pick up his fifth year option. Is he somebody you just trade for on the cheap? Whatever it is. But in this range, I'm going to give you a couple other quarterback names because I think what you just said informs our decision of other quarterbacks going in that range. So uh, going right ahead of him, QB 21 is Jameis Winston, Matt Ryan at 22, Daniel Jones at 23, and Ryan Tannehill at 24. Which of those quarterbacks do you think has a potential range to finish in the top 10? Yeah, no question it's Daniel Jones because when you look at what it takes to finish in the top 10... You know, you have to have probably two of three things. One of those is rushing ability. You know, Matt Ryan's giving you a zero there for sure. Ryan Tannehill can do that, but is he an elite run a runner of the football? Not necessarily. And Jameis Winston's coming off an ACL injury, so I don't think we're going to see much running from him. So give me the rushing upside. And then you have to have a ton of volume to get there. And if you're not going to have volume, you have to have an outlier efficiency season. I don't like betting on Ryan Tannehill to have the outlier efficiency season without A.J. Brown. And with a rookie as his wide receiver one, you know, Jameis Winston's got question marks with the wide receiver room in New Orleans. Um, And so Matt Ryan is, I think, a guy who I like to finish in the top 15, 16, 17 of quarterbacks. But do they have top 10 ceiling? No, I think Daniel Jones does. Is it a likely outcome based off what we've seen? Probably not. But I'm willing to take him at that ADP because, as we'll talk about in a second, opportunity cost matters a lot in best ball. You know, when you take a guy in round 14 or 15 he doesn't have to do as much for you as he does if you take him in round two so uh, opportunity cost is low names around him don't have the upside i will invest in an offensive scheme that we trust and should run a ton of plays and throw the ball a lot and just the just for reference the giants schedule the end of the season uh, week 15 is at washington week 16 at minnesota and week 17 is at home against the colts which uh, could be could be a, a really fun game. So keep all of that in mind when you're thinking of Daniel Jones and you're thinking of the Giants, the team that I know every single person wants to put their hard-earned money on. 
Of course. It's 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 only let us down what, four years in a row? What could go wrong this year? I'm going to throw out a stackability metric that you and I talk about. We walk through the teams, we walk through the ADP, and we kind of weigh out the opportunity cost of each stack. So for instance, Stefan Diggs is a late first, early second round pick. Okay, so if you want to stack him with Josh Allen, you basically either have to take Allen and Diggs at the turn or hope that Allen somehow makes it back to you in the third round. It's a very high cost for what you need to do. So we kind of weigh out, hey, here's what needs to happen in order for Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, and that stack to work out. Or you get Josh Allen, you kind of move further on. Each team we do that, I'm going to lay out the Cardinals because it's a team that we're a little bit lower on. I said that I've already taken the under on their nine and a half. We have DeAndre Hopkins way lower than his ADP. Like I personally don't want people to draft DeAndre Hopkins. Is that how you feel? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that like if he falls to a certain point, I will take him. But at the same time, you know, he's missing six games. And then also that doesn't even include the bye week. So he's going to miss seven games this year. And in best ball, like you need players that have access to ceiling every week. And he is giving you a zero seven weeks this year. So I don't mind taking a shot if you like, you know, hit on some early guys or something like that or uh, some late round kind of sleepers in like best ball mania. Sure. But in your standard 12 team leagues, uh, not very much interested this year in, in DeAndre Hopkins. So right now, if you want the Hollywood Brown, Kyler Murray stack, you basically have to take them back to back in the fourth and fifth round, which I think is a very high cost for something we haven't seen yet. Yes, they played together in college. We like Hollywood in redraft. I feel like he's somebody that we're really you know high on here at Fantasy Footballers, but I'm much lower on Kyler. You have to take your shot on the secondary options on this team. And last year, the highest upside stacks the highest upside stacks that you could find in best ball. Here's the ones that have the highest playoff advance rate. It was finding the quarterback one, so Kyler Murray, the RB2, and the wide receiver two. So I'm going to ask you this question, Betts. Who is the wide receiver two on this team? Zach Ertz? <laughs> I'm not sure, to be honest. I mean, maybe Rondale, maybe A.J. Green, Antoine Wesley, DeAndre Hopkins when he comes back. Who the heck knows, man? It's just, it's a guessing game for me. So when I look at this stack, there's just so much downside. James Conner, I think, is going to be another great redraft pick. He's going a little bit lower than I think he should. But you need 15 touchdowns. Again, he had 18 last year. But you need you need a monster total from James Conner to return value. And I just don't think that with the weapons, with Hopkins' suspension, that you're going to get that. So this is a team that you and I, or at least I know I'm much lower. It's going to be one of my lower exposure stacks I don't mind mixing in a Rondale more if you think he's going to be the wide receiver too. But on this team, like Zach Ertz isn't a player that I'm really high on. I don't think he can be a huge win rate player. So yeah, Cardinals overall are a stack that I would say you want to have lower exposure on. Uh, any last Cardinals thoughts? I think the tricky thing about the Cardinals too, especially when you're looking at these tournaments, is that you know all of their players who have paths to producing are being taken like there's no one going in like round 18 or later that you can get really sneaky with because we know where the ball is going and those options are so low upside like Antoine Wesley AJ Green like those kind of players just don't feel like real difference makers that you could get at the end of your draft so I'm with you because of the fact that it's going to be so popular and you do have to invest a lot in that Marquise Brown Kyler stack I'll have a little bit of that in you know my kind of portfolio throughout the summer but I'm not targeting it by any means right now 
Now, I will say if there is one player that I'm interested in this team, it's Daryl Williams. His ADP right yes. now is 184 since he's signed with them. It's steadily gone up, and I think it will continue to go up, like, you know, and maybe in the 140s range. So, Daryl Williams as an RB4 for your team feels great because you've seen the upside. We talked about him last episode. Uh, you know, he had the 12th most targets at the, at the running back position. He had a monster week 17 that won people championships. So, yes, Daryl Williams, that's probably at my highest exposure. Uh, Same. Yep. Yeah. I'm in on Daryl for sure. All right, let's get in a little bit further and talk about these best ball rankings. Best ball bonanza. Last episode, we opened up best ball season, summer of best ball, talking about strategy, a little bit more about win rates, and some of the big takeaways we had from this past year. We are turning the page and looking forward because we know you are out there, you're mowing the lawn, you're doing whatever you need to do, and you want rankings. That's what people are always thirsty for. The problem with best ball rankings, I, I can just be honest and maybe Bets can back me up here, is you kind of have to put together a really big list uh, because you know there's 215 plus draft spots that people are drafting in. We put out a top 300, but when you start getting close to 300, it is it is gross. Yeah, there was a point when I was finalizing my rankings where I was down in that 250 range and I just thought to myself, what am I doing with my life <laughs> trying to to decipher the 250 first player versus the 250th? You know, it's a bunch of guys that might not do much for us, but uh, we did put a lot of thought and effort into this and uh, hopefully they help. But I will say too, along the same lines of best ball rankings being very difficult, is that even if you have a super strong take on a certain player, you know, you can't rank them three rounds ahead of ADP because there are a lot of research articles out there that show in best ball, you know, ADP, the market is efficient and we should follow the market to some degree. Like it's okay to go get your guy, you know, half a round, a round early, but reaching three rounds to get a player makes zero sense because someone else in these tournaments is taking that same player two rounds after you would have done that. So that opportunity cost for you goes up. We know that's bad for win rates. So don't reach on guys. So you have to factor in ADP into rankings, which in redraft leagues you don't necessarily have to do and so it's kind of a tricky balance that i do factor adp into my rankings for sure yes you don't want to reach to the point where you are battling out some let me think about it you're battling somebody else's round 18 player with the player you took in round 15 so for instance the ravens wide receiver two is kind of a mystery right now like is it devin duvernay who you and i would probably say that's my betting favorite is it tylen wallace is it james brochet Take your dart throw at the end of your draft, but if you're saying it's Devin Duvernay and you're taking him uh, in the 15th round, you are up against it because it's it's not clear what that is. And honestly, you could probably get him round 17, round 18, no matter what. So we'll be talking about that. Keep in mind with best ball, we're talking about opportunity costs. What does it cost you based on the player's ADP? So, you know, if you're taking a tight end in round two, this is what it is costing you, another wide receiver or another running back in that range. Positionally, you also have to think how they fit in your rosters and how unique your roster is in terms of a large field tournament. We talk about that a lot with Best Ball Mania. Stackability, who are you stacking your players with? When are you stacking them? And a range of outcomes. I think that's what we'll discuss a lot today is what are the range of outcomes for some of these players that you and I are higher or lower than ADP? What is their floor? What is their ceiling? 
And what are we looking at for week 17? So let's start with quarterbacks. There's a quarterback that you're higher on in ADP. It's Lamar Jackson. Why are you high on this guy? I know we're high on the Ravens in general, but for best ball purposes, would you take him ahead of his QB4 ADP? So this is a tricky conversation because in my rankings, I do have him QB2 um, this year behind only Josh Allen. That's and hot. I was pretty... It's it's pretty hot, man. I was pretty high on Lamar last year. That seemed to be working out for most of the year until the injury. But I want to point back people back to, again, what he was doing before injury. And of course, over the last two or three years, last year, he led all NFL QBs in rushing yards per game by a pretty wide margin over Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. So when you're thinking about ceiling and best ball, I want those guys who can give you those 100-yard games on the ground and a rushing score in addition to whatever they do with their arm. And so Lamar is one of few QBs that each week can win you a week you know, in redraft leagues and certainly help you get there in best ball. So I'm higher on him for that reason. I think they're going to come back to less passing but more running, and that means more rush attempts, I think, for Lamar Jackson this year. Losing Hollywood Brown certainly isn't great, but I believe you know Rashad Bateman can step up into that role and help. Now, I have him ranked there, but I want to put some context around this. So Lamar Jackson is a guy who is going in most of the time. Last time I looked, it was like top 45 picks usually. And so that is a massive opportunity cost to pay for a quarterback. Last year, people were you know all about taking Pat Mahomes in those top three rounds sometimes, even early fourth. And I went back and looked at the data from Best Ball Mania last season and actually, the highest advance rates came when quarterbacks were taken between rounds six and ten. So, kind of that like tier two, tier three quarterback. Because what you're saying when you're taking Lamar Jackson there is that you're passing on elite running back and elite wide receiver, or if you prefer tight end, those three positions. So, to answer your question, am I taking him in the top forty? I am not actively targeting him. That said, if I see him fall past his ADP, which I have a couple times, I will happily grab him again because I do have him ranked there but it's tough the opportunity cost you know you're passing on those top tier wide receivers that we know have a high win rate usually in those three rounds three four five uh type range yeah that that range you spoke of in terms of the win rates last year like you're looking at pick 60 you know to pick 100 120 something like that like there's just a lot of guys I love in that range where I've already built out a solid core of my team and I still have stacking options so you know once you get past Joe Burrow who's QB7 you know, you have Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, who I think is in a great sweet spot where you can get other Broncos pieces and stack him. Uh, you have Dak Prescott all the way down at QB 10, which is pretty low for Dak, I would say. Matthew Stafford and a little bit further. So I, I love that range of quarterbacks, and I want to give a quarterback name that I am higher on, and that's Kirk Cousins. All right, Kirk Cousins is QB 15 and ADP. I have him at QB 12, so a little bit higher than than I think, you know, He's at 123 for his ADP right now. So you're asking yourself in the 10th, 11th round, what are you doing? I don't mind taking him the end of the 9th, 10th, especially if you have Vikings options. He had the fourth highest win rate among all quarterbacks last year. And you never would have known it because this team didn't make the playoffs and there's some turnover with their coaching staff. So I think the Vikings are a team that I'm higher on across the board. And I looked at a couple of stat projections in our UDK Jason right now, okay, so I'm giving a little teaser here, the UDK, Jason has him for almost 5,000 yards passing and 35 touchdowns. That's not crazy, right? I mean, if you look at kind of the course of the Vikings offense, you know, when they had Zimmer there, it was all about 
getting the run game going and those sort of things. But I think with this new coaching staff coming over with Kevin O'Connell, we're going to see more pass attempts. We're going to see a lot of play action. Kirk Cousins, dude, he's been quarterback 11 back-to-back seasons in redraft leagues. Like, I don't think this ranking is crazy. I do not think that projection is crazy. Um, and anytime you have a guy like Justin Jefferson to help elevate your ceiling, you know, obviously he's in play each week. So, yes, I like that call quite a bit. Week 17, they play at the Packers. Cousins is somebody that I will be taking a lot as my QB2 and kind of double dipping, like we mentioned. We You take a quarterback somewhere in that round, 7, 8, 9, and then if I can get Cousins in 10 or 11, I feel like I'm good to go. Like I could actually roll with two quarterbacks and stay with it. I don't know if his ceiling is any higher than maybe QB eight. Like I don't think he can get any higher than that unless there's other quarterbacks, especially rushing quarterbacks that fail. But Kirk Cousins is someone that I will be much higher on. In terms of lower, I'm looking at your list right here. Joe Burrow is somebody you've talked about a little bit. Justin Fields, a little lower on those two. Uh, Who do you want to talk about? Yeah, I feel like we've talked about Burrow already, so maybe we can touch on Fields. Just real quick with Burrow, it all comes back to the efficiency and lack of, you know, true difference-making as a rusher. Like, he can run the football, obviously, but is he going to give you those Kyler, Lamar, you know, Jalen Hurts types weeks? Of course not. So we need him to be as efficient as he was last year. I don't think that's going to happen. So that's kind of the the takeaway with Joe Burrow. I think you're a little bit lower than consensus as well, right? Yes, and I'm going to be lower on that guy the rest of his life. Of course, of course. Yeah, so for me with Justin Fields, what it comes down to is, you know, I just, I really don't want our listeners or people in the DFS pass doing best ball drafts to being aggressively targeting Justin Fields because of what he could be as, you know, this guy that we saw coming out with a great deep ball and the ability to run and all those sort of things. Like just looking at what he is throwing to or who he is throwing to pretty much you know you're stacking him with Cole Komet or Darnell Mooney. So how are you getting different? How are you getting leverage on the field in these tournaments if you're taking Justin Fields at his ADP? You're not. And, you know, we know like win totals matter a lot for how quarterbacks perform in fantasy. And while Justin Fields can run the football, this team I think is going to be among the worst in football. I think it'd be an absolute train wreck. And I went back and just made sure I wasn't crazy looking at my rankings, looking at where Andy has Justin Fields ranked and his projection uh, is quite scary. So I am out at his ADP right now on Justin Fields. But did you see the quote from Justin Fields? He said, just because we don't have a big name guy doesn't mean those guys aren't talented. I have plenty of confidence in myself and my teammates that we will get the job done. Well, that's great, Justin. Good for you, man. I hope it works out. I genuinely do because I have a lot of him in Dynasty, but I am terrified for what this team is going to be this year. Okay, so QB 18 right now in ADP. I feel like that's not an egregious ranking for someone with his mobile upside. So you're not saying that it's a bad pick, but you just don't see the ceiling with his weapons? It's it's mostly not necessarily the quarterback ranking for me. I have him behind a lot of other players in my overall rankings that I'm fine if he drops you know a round or two after ADP. Like I love that value, of course, with the upside that you talked about. But there's plenty of names going around him in the draft that I would prefer. Yeah, I don't mind taking Fields as my QB2 and pairing him with Komet. If you're saying that Fields can be a top 10 guy, have some monster rushing totals, and Komet can actually score touchdowns, like I, I think I think it's there. So I'm, a, I'm fine with it. I wouldn't say I'm bullish where I'm like pounding the table for him. I just, yeah, you have to figure out who you're going to pair. Like, are you Valus Jones? I, I, I have no idea who they're who you're going to pair him with. So I'm out on Mooney 
for the most part as well. Um, which of these quarterbacks of mine interests you the most? Ooh, let's talk about... Well, I so the two names you have listed here for the listeners is Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson. And I think Watson, we obviously know, like, part of it is the possible suspension. So maybe let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. Why are you lower than consensus on on the MVP of the league, Kyle? Yeah, apparently I'm disrespecting this guy. Um, I'm 15 spots lower in terms of overall ADP. I have him ranked behind Kirk Cousins. Now, I'm not telling people that he'll finish there. I'm just saying based on how it works in stacking, I'm not confident enough in Rodgers to know if I'm going to be able to pair him with the right person. And I think his overall ceiling, like, you know, we, we can say like, oh, we can print like 4,200 yards, 35 plus in pass, passing touchdowns. I don't think that's a given at all with Rodgers. Like if he is somebody who finishes with 4,030, I don't think he's a player that's actually going to help you win. He doesn't run the ball. And I would say his totals, like his spike games are awesome, but he has a lot of games where it ends up being you know, 225 and two and they win. Like he doesn't need sometimes to put his foot on the pedal as much. And for a first place schedule, they have some easy matchups this year. So Rogers is somebody that I don't mind his ABDP. It's QB 12, but I'm going to be a little bit lower because I still don't know. Like, is it, you know, do I want to pair him with Robert Tunyon? Do I want to pair him with, you know, Romeo Dobbs or Christian Watson, like he's never really done much with rookie wide receivers. So I'm not giving them a lot of credit either. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you lose Devonta Adams and all of a sudden, you know, we want to chase ceiling and a quarterback without a proven wide receiver one is scary in best ball. So I'm with you. And, you know, there's a lot of people that will say to that, well, look at the splits, you know, look at his career. Like the Packers win when Devonta Adams misses games. That feels insanely noisy. He's one of the best wide receivers in football. So I think you take him out of the equation and you certainly have to think about Aaron Rodgers' fantasy outlook a little bit differently than you have in the past. All right, before we get to running backs, let's take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, let's talk about running backs and some players that you and I are higher or lower in ADP. 
We could just stop right here and talk about Aaron Jones for an entire episode, but people have heard that, and they've heard it again and again. We love Aaron Jones. We love his pass-catching upside. We love that where you can get him, basically in the third, fourth round. It's kind of crazy. So we'll spare people from that. Talk to me about Melvin Gordon. I'm scared to click the button because he's the RB2 on his team. He's RB2 in ADP. He's old. And there's just so many routes where I'm like, am I going to get enough value? Am I going to get enough spike weeks? Last year, he was a valuable RB2 in redraft where you could plug him in and get those types of numbers. Am I going to get any spike weeks from this guy where he could actually help my team? Yeah, I think for Melvin Gordon, you know, it really just comes down to his price relative to draft cost and your roster build. So if you are a team that has a couple of studs in the first two rounds, you know, you went... I don't know. Give me a couple of names. You went Najee and Joe Mixon or something like that. I'm not taking Melvin Gordon. I'm counting on those scores from my early rounds. But if you go wide receiver early and you're building a zero RB team, you know, I talked about this in the article with DeSorbo. Like, I don't want these third down types of backs that are going to give me eight to 10 points here and there in these tournaments, specifically is what I'm talking about. I want running backs that go in this range that can give you legitimate three down roles as a workhorse. And who we've seen be insanely successful in the past. And that is Melvin Gordon to a T, if anything should happen to Javante Williams. So I'm more high on him because I think, you know, that outlook as far as his archetype is better than someone else. If you're kind of trying to shoot for the ceiling and shoot for the moon in these roster builds, you know, that said, of course, um, I'm not going to aggressively target him ahead of ADP just because I am ahead of him on ADP if I already have early running backs on my team. So he kind of fits that you know, zero RB type build for me. He also goes in a range where last year that was an insane sweet spot. If you went either zero RB or what people often refer to as hero RB, where you take one early and don't take one for six or seven rounds, you know, those RBs that go in rounds eight, nine, 10, 11, uh, the, the win rates in the last couple seasons have been really, really good. And that's where he's going. So it's a great offense. You know, he's still show last year. He can be productive for fantasy. If anything happens to Javante, obviously he's in a prime position to uh, outperform his ADP. Gordon has nine plus touchdowns in six straight seasons. Pretty, pretty wild how consistent of a guy he was considering he didn't score a touchdown his rookie year, but he's been a touchdown machine ever since. And it's just an offense we want to buy into with Russell Wilson. So across the board, I think it's a good value pick. And I like that what you're mentioning. Like if you're going wide receiver early, you know, it's there, and if something were to happen with Javante, you're getting somebody who can be a monster. Their playoff schedule is at home against the Cardinals, on the road against the Rams, and on the road against the Chiefs. Like, I feel like they're going to have to put up some major points in those games. So, the Broncos are a team I'm targeting across the board. Uh, are you lower on Javante, considering how you feel about Gordon, or are those just mutually exclusive? Not a big deal. No, they're just, they're exclusive. I'm right in line with ADP on Javante. I've taken him a couple times, and like you said, I I love the Broncos this year for not only the upside they provide, but the value that they provide in drafts. You don't have to take a lot of these guys super high, so it's it's a great team to target. Yeah, I'm I'm in a draft where I have Tim Patrick on the team, but the team right next to me loaded up on Broncos. Like they have Judy, they have Sutton, Alberto, Russell Wilson, and I was just looking at that team. I was like, wow, that. You know what? None of those guys were too expensive. Like you got to take Judy in like the fourth round, but other than that, it's it's kind of nice. And Russ, you've always been a big Russ fan. I think with the change of scenery, that's just an added variable. But if you're getting him as your QB one in the eighth round, like that's 
that that's that's cooking with gas. I like it. Um, names that I'm higher on. Am I crazy to put CMC as my 101? No, I mean he's going as a 102, right? So like, he'll dip into 103 <laughs> world. Yeah, I I don't know if there's much to say about him that, that I really think is valuable for people to hear. I have him right there with you. I think I'm I'm at 102, so I have him right behind Jonathan Taylor. But if anyone wanted him at 101, do it. It's not gonna you know change your win rate very much. The guy that I think is interesting to talk about though is Alvin Kamara. He kind of feels like no man's land this year. You know, we've seen him be insanely productive, but now people are kind of maybe scared off for the Saints offense. There's maybe the off the field legal possible situation looming. So what are you doing with Alvin Kamara? Where do you have him? Yeah, I have him much higher. His ADP is 20.6 and I have him rated as an RB1, which, you know, he's really not in in ADP. I have him at eighth overall. The best part is you do not have to take him there at all. Like he's showing up in my rankings. If I'm just drafting from my rankings, you can do that in the best ball, you know, rankings. You can look at Betts and I's rankings, draft from that. I mean, I can get him in the end of the second round with a player with his upside. I have no idea with Michael Thomas what is happening. So there's just so many reasons to like Alvin Kamara, especially after last season where they had a carousel at quarterbacks, right? They ended up having to play Ian Book one week, and we all laughed at him. And the touchdown numbers were so much lower than what we're used to seeing from Alvin Kamara. So I think double-digit touchdowns and 60 receptions is bankable and you're finding that at the end of the second round yeah it kind of feels like you know like last year the aaron jones pick in the second round it was like this guy has paths to insane touchdown you know efficiency on a good offense with a good you know quarterback and offensive line all those sort of things and while yeah Jameis is an elite he can get the job done and move the football and the offensive line for the saints we talked about in you know the NFL draft process just so many injuries last year like if that team finds the right side of variance on the offensive line you know I think that touchdown efficiency comes back up for Kamara my only thing with Kamara right now is that I'm kind of wondering what his ADP does this offseason because I think and we can even talk about this in a minute with Michael Thomas I think those two correlate in a way so if people start to kind of sour on Michael Thomas, they might talk themselves into Alvin Kamara and his ADP could skyrocket. So I would say if you want your Alvin Kamara exposure, the time to get it is now before his ADP climbs. Now, I love it. And I mentioned, I think, a week before, I have a team that started CMC at the 102 and then had a Kamara coming all the way back. So I love that. I didn't have to touch running back for forever after that. And I'm banking on those two players being, I mean, elite pass-catching running backs. The backup also is a wild conversation. So... I think Mark Ingram would be the obvious choice. His ADP is 212. And the other other running back that has significant ADP is their undrafted free agent, Abram Smith, who's, you know, basically a dart throw at the very end. So no one knows what to do with the rest of the Saints. If you want to take a shot at one of those guys at the end, I would rather, you know, maybe take Smith, but it's Ingram's done. He's a hype man. And we don't get points for that in best ball. Unfortunately not. No, unfortunately not. That would be nice. Uh, lower than ADP, you and I have a couple of names that are glaring. I wanted to make sure we talked about them. So we have Najee Harris, talked about him last week, and Nick Chubb. I want to see if we have the same reasonings here. So Nick Chubb, why are you lower on him? So Nick, I want to put this out there. Nick Chubb is a phenomenal I love player. Nick Chubb. In my opinion, the best runner of the football in the league. Not necessarily the best fantasy running back, but runner of the football. The dude is a monster. 
But you have to look at this offense and change how you think about it. I believe with Deshaun Watson coming over, signing that obscene, fully guaranteed contract, they are not going to employ the same offense as they did when Baker Mayfield was the quarterback. Otherwise, why would you bring him in and pay him that money? Now, don't get me wrong. Nick Chubb is still going to be, I think, good. Is he going to be giving you elite numbers? I'm not sure. I think we're going to see more passing. And also, you know, with running backs, like I am chasing running backs who have pass catching ability and upside. And we've seen a couple games here and there from Nick Chubb where he can catch the football, but that is not what you would project for him for him and from a median outlook perspective. And so I'm generally lower on non-pass catchers. And to me, that's exactly what Nick Chubb is. Yes, I'm lower on him. I'm lower on Kareem Hunt like because there's a lot of variables. I understand the upside with a player like that. And I understand, but you're banking on him being a valuable player, you know, when Deshaun Watson has never historically thrown in the running back position, I have this stat in the ultimate draft kit if you want it. Uh, but during his three full seasons as the Texans starting quarterbacks, remember that first year as a rookie, he got hurt. Watson targeted the running back position 14.7% of the time. That's dead last in the NFL over the last five years. So Deshaun Watson's a player that we know because he's mobile, doesn't throw as much to the running back position. He's never done it. And you're banking on both of those guys continuing to be the centerpiece of the offense when I think it's going to transition. So Browns running backs overall, I'm pretty low on. I would love, you know, to have Nick Chubb on my real life team. If I was, you know, a Browns fan, love it. He's awesome. But for best ball at RB12, I just don't see what he's going to do. Like I need him to put up 15 rushing touchdowns. And I don't know. I, I what's, what's Nick Chubb's ceiling to you? RB7. Yeah, and, and that sounds great, but I don't know if it's going to be an otherworldly season because you just don't have any pass-catching work at all. Um, yep. Talk to me about Derrick Henry because you're a little bit lower than the ADP, and are you terrified? Well, before we move on to that real quick, with the running backs for Cleveland, I love taking a shot on Dearness Johnson late in drafts. He goes undrafted in a lot of my drafts. There is zero dead cap currently for Kareem Hunt if the team decides to move on from him. If Kareem Hunt gets cut or traded, his skyrockets, his ADP is going to skyrocket. So, yeah, give me Dearness Johnson as a dart throw when you're not drafting Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb. Just want to put that out there. Um, yeah, the big dog, it is so scary to say these words out loud. I am lower than consensus on Derrick Henry. We are talking about a running back who is very quickly hitting that point in their career where we see production not just slowly dip off, but literally fall off the cliff. And he is going to get a ton of work. I'm just not sure how good this team is going to be. So, you know, you're, again, relying on a non-pass-catching running back in Derrick Henry, who, you know, the Titans are a team I think I'm a little bit lower on just because, you know, you lose a key piece in A.J. Brown, you bring in 30-year-old Robert Woods off the ACL, you take Traylon Burks, who's a bit of a raw wide receiver prospect, and and how do they move the ball? It's, of course, Derrick Henry, right? Hand it off over and over and over again, but that is just insanely inefficient. And so I'm lower on the Titans. I'm lower on a running back who is at the point in their career where you know you have genuine concerns about if he can get back to that true ceiling coming off the foot fracture from a year ago. His ADP is 6.6. I, too, have him ranked a little bit lower. So I have players like Dalvin Cook and Austin Eckler going ahead of him just because of their pass-catching work. Henry is more of a later first round pick for me. I'm not saying like, you know, let's do anything away from him. Like we're we're splitting hairs here over the best of the best. But based on 
your ADP, I'm assuming you won't have a ton of teams where he's on them. No, so I've done I've done probably like ten drafts so far, and actually my most recent one I was at the ninth pick and he fell to pick nine, so I took him. So I'm not saying I will not have any of him, but I'm not taking him, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth overall in some drafts where he goes. Uh, let's move to wide receiver. We mentioned Mike Williams. He's a player that you and I are much higher on, uh, and I think we'll discuss him too in the article. You compared him and Deontay Johnson. Uh, players that have very different archetypes like Mike Williams think of the explosion games Deontay Johnson we think of more of a consistent uh, you know five six receptions you know you're going to be able to bank that in so DeSorbo and I are going to be able to talk about that player next week because I think it's a really good conversation because their ADPs are close Mike Williams ADP keeps climbing to the point where he's right there with Keenan Allen that was interesting I want to discuss Chris Olave because I am getting hot and heavy for this player you and I had a discussion earlier. We talked about a range of outcomes with Chris Olave in the NFL draft. And I said, I think it's possible that he finishes the year as the fantasy wide receiver one for, among rookies. And with this Michael Thomas news, I feel like it's, you know, getting more and more juicy. So am I crazy for not only being ahead of ADP on Chris Olave, he's wide receiver 45. I have him at wide receiver 39. So six spots ahead, but where do you think he fits in on a best ball roster? So we know rookies in general tend to have their best games as the season goes on. So if you're asking me which week do I think a rookie breaks out, if it's week eight versus week one, I'll pick week eight every time. You know, we generally see that uh, unless your name is Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts. But I think he's the type of player that I want, you know, where I have two, three, you know, early when I say early, like top four around wide receivers where you're counting on those scores every single week. So if you choose to then take your wide receiver three or four in this range where Lave goes, he's the type of guy that, you know, might not give you much in the first two, three, four weeks, but could kind of help explode down the stretch for you. And I think that's what you're looking for. If you have those safe, reliable stud wide receivers early in your draft, Chris Olave and the saints in week 17, they play your Eagles. So if you're one of those people that gets AJ Brown or you're stacking with Jalen hurts, I think Olave is a really fun player to add in the mix because of you know what you mentioned, like second half of the season, they usually increase. I'll shoot you some numbers really quick. So I looked at wide receiver target percentage for rookies all the way back since 2014. If you were a top 10 pick, if you were a top 10 wide receiver pick, there's a lot of guys in that range, you know, think about like Corey Davis or Mike Williams, your boy, John Ross, uh, any of those players. John Ross, I forgot about him. <laughs> Uh, the Bengals sometimes do dumb things, or they used to. Maybe, maybe we can't make fun of the Bengals anymore. Uh, After last year, you can't. Top 10 picks average a target percentage of at least 17.8, which is pretty great for a rookie. If you were a round one pick, it only dropped to 17.1. So that's what I'm looking at for Chris Olave as kind of a range, just a safe median range in terms of his target share. But Michael Thomas is the big unknown of what that's going to be and what his rehab process is going to be like. So I'm betting on the fact that Chris Olave could not hit a median range, but let's say he hits 19 to 20% of the targets in New Orleans. I think that with his big playability, you're going to get spike weeks that you want. So I, I like Chris Olave. There's a reason they traded up to get him uh, 11th overall. So big, big, big fan of him in best ball. You have a couple of names that terrify me in terms of higher than ADP, 
But this is best ball, so maybe I need to uh, put on my big boy pants. You have Kadarius Tony and Marquez Valdez Scantling. Talk to me. <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to hear that and, and not laugh. <laughs> what uh, what could go wrong, right, with these two guys? So I think with Tony, you know, we talked about the Giants, and it really just ties into that. So there's not too much to add other than this is a player who, um, you know, last year, relatively small-ish sample size, but on a targets per route run basis, was an elite metric. And I want to target guys who can earn targets. And I think that he can earn targets in this offense. I'm not really worried about Wandale Robinson. You know, Kenny Galladay has his role. I think Kadarius Tony is going to be a focal point with Sterling Shepard, who's later in his career coming off an Achilles injury. So give me Kadarius Tony, especially at his ADP. He usually goes after pick 100. Love that for him. For Marquez Valdez-Scantling, really this comes back to that high A dot, high upside, low floor type of pick. So am I going to be relying on MVS for, you know, nine weeks of the year where he's in my lineup? I mean, I hope so, but I'm not realistically expecting that. If he can give me six weeks where he finishes inside the top, you know, 30, top 20, even in that Chiefs offense with the high A dot from Pat Mahomes, I'll chase the ceiling all day for a player like that who, you know, in the, with the Packers, he'll give you those spike weeks where he gives you the one twenty-five and two types of games. Can you predict them? No, of course not. But in best ball, we don't care about that. We want those players on our roster. So this goes exactly back to the article DeSorbo and I wrote. I'm chasing those archetypes this year. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who got way more money than Juju Smith-Schuster, is a focal point and a crucial point, I think, a, a crucial player, I should say, based off the money to this offense. So he's going to play every down on the perimeter with Pat Mahomes. I think in terms of game theory, the Chiefs are one of the most intriguing best ball conversations this year because it's clear who the two best pieces are of that team in terms of Kelsey and Mahomes. But where do you go from there is, is you know, what I like. I had a draft where it's just, this is just a 12 team, so not like a big tournament, where Mahomes fell into the fifth round and I took him. All right. So I wasn't planning on it at all taking Mahomes. But he fell a good 15 picks later than what he normally does. And so I have Mahomes on that team in the middle of the draft, and I'm asking myself, who am I going to stack this guy? Because I didn't get Kelsey, but I thought the value was there where I could figure out what the other pieces are. So I'll probably take, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll probably go with either one of the running backs, you know, Ronald Jones or CEH, and take a stab at one of the wide receivers. But it also could just be a trap because we want this offense to be good. And I think can be good but i don't know if either of the wide receivers are going to be awesome for best ball so who knows yeah i mean the nice thing about it is their opportunity cost is so low that you know you don't have to have them be elite options they can be you know wide receiver three types and be fine lower than adp you we've mentioned michael thomas is somebody that you know we, we're like i don't know what to do with last year if you went for michael thomas it was the death trap because you kept waiting and waiting and waiting for him to return i remember best ball his ADP kept dropping, and so we had the conversation last year, like, oh, well, you know, if you get him in the 10th round, you get him in the 11th round, like, what's it going to be? And it ended up being a fat zero on your roster. So, yeah, Michael Thomas, we're a little bit lower. Can we talk about Debo Samuel for a second? I'm lower. Please. His ADP is 17.4. I have him ranked at 29th overall. That is way lower in terms of wide receiver ranking I have him outside of the wide receiver one range for best ball. Is that egregious? I don't know. I mean, I, I think regression is coming for Debo, 
But you can tell yourself a story where the ceiling is better with Trey Lance if they push the ball down the field and they let Debo run actual wide receiver routes. So he feels like an enigma this year. I'm kind of like just behind ADP, so I'm not quite as low as you. Looking at historical numbers, you can't compare Debo to anyone else. So normally what I do is I look at a player that has a outlier season. I go, oh, let's look at all the other ones that are just like that. There's nothing for us in front of us. Like Tyreek had a season where he, I think he ran for like four or five rushing touchdowns. But like you're not going to be able to Tavon Austin. You're not going to be able to find anybody that's in the range that Debo had in terms of yards perception. You know, Yak, like it's 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 impossible to find. That being said, I like Trey Lance this year. I like George Kittle this year. I like Brandon Ayuk for where you can get him. I, I I like the pieces on this team. I just think I am paying up for somebody that I need to return top seven, top eight wide receiver value, and I would just bet against that. Yeah, that's fair. And I think he's a player that I will have exposure to in the right circumstances, meaning if he falls past ADP, I'm fine with it, but I'm not aggressively targeting Debo by any means. So last year, Betts and I had a big dog team that Debo was on, and we reluctantly yes no that's that's the key point <laughs> is we we passed on wide receivers all right we just said we're gonna make it up through volume that team was led by Derrick Henry and Najee Harris and for a while that team was looking good but we we took Debo I think it was our wide receiver too like I think so yeah and we just said like oh, I guess we should take Debo he's a value and we ended up riding Debo like every single week we'd message like oh my gosh Debo is carrying <laughs> our entire team. We looked really smart for a second. <laughs> By accident. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's finish oh, up with tight ends and who we are a little bit higher on. You have two names on here, Gronk and the doctor, Dr. Schultz. I'm a big Schultz fan. Um, Gronk, I've got my hands up in the air, but do you feel like his ADP is only going to go up from here? Yeah, that's really what it comes down to is the second we get confirmation that he's coming back, which... I don't know what you would put the percentage likelihood that that happens, but I think it's very likely that he comes back and plays one more year with Tom. The second we get that news, his ADP is going to jump a full round. So I only have him on the dock today just to tell people, like, if you want Gronk, take him right now at his ADP. And if you're playing in Bessel Mania or the puppy that's out, um, you know, take him now and then pass on him in two months when his ADP is a lot higher. So it's all about opportunity cost with Gronk. So I like him. And then, yeah, the doctor, dude, Dalton Schultz, the path is wide open for opportunity there in that Dallas offense. They were the highest scoring team in football last season. They ran a ton of plays. They were up in pace, high neutral situation pass rate. And behind C.D. Lamb, like who is catching the football? Michael Gallup is coming off the ACL. They've got Jalen Tolbert as a, a rookie. Um, James Washington's never been able to earn targets in his career. It all points to, Dal to Dalton Schultz, who last year was a tight end three, and he's going like tight end seven uh, in most drafts. So I'm higher than consensus on Dalton Schultz. I love Dalton Schultz because of the massive gap there is between George Kittle, who's going at tight end five, 47th overall. So basically, George Kittle is like a four or five turn pick. Then you get to wait for Dalton Schultz all the way to pick 75. So you almost have... 30 picks between Kittle and Schultz. So I'm finding if I missed out on that elite tier tight end, I consider Schultz at the cutoff point for me. If you want to put Hawkinson in, I totally understand. But I have Schultz in that range where I'm totally fine with him being my tight end one, and I'm totally fine having builds where it's just two tight ends. Like I don't need three tight ends with Dalton Schultz. So I love it. Jason's very high on him as well. 
I looked in his at his projections earlier, like 88 receptions, 900 yards, seven touchdowns. That'll get it done in best ball, especially at, at his price. So I, I think he's going to be a good win rate player. It makes sense, though. I, I don't think after a tight end three season from Dalton Schultz, of all people, that he's deserving of anything more. They franchised him this offseason. Blake Jarwin's no longer on the team. I could see them working out a long-term deal here. And could he finish with the second most receptions on the team behind CeeDee Lamb? Oh, I think so. Absolutely. Especially if Gallup should miss any time. I mean, that's kind of factored in, I guess, to this ADP and our rationale here. But yeah, I think that's definitely in the range of outcomes. Yeah, that's what you're banking on is, you know, that type of production. And you're not going to be able to find it at that ADP. So I love that. And I mentioned Cole Komet a couple of times. ADP is 146. I have him at 132. There are a lot of names that are going ahead of Cole Komet that target-wise, there's no way that they're going to be able to surpass Cole Komet. Irv Smith. We like Big Irv, but can you see any more than like 50 or 60 receptions from him? Probably not. I can see... Irv having more touchdowns for which sure in best ball can certainly get there. But yeah, from a volume perspective, I think that's a, a pretty sound take. Yeah, I think volume wise, here's some of the Titans going ahead of him. Albert O. We like Albert O, but I think targets wise, Cole Komet's going to have more targets than him, more targets than Robert Tunyon, more than Rob Gronkowski, Pat Fryermuth. Like I think he's going to have more targets than six Titans going ahead of him. So the best part about Cole Komet is you don't have to pay up. And I don't even think you have to get him ahead of ADP because nobody's getting Justin Fields too early. So Cole Komet is a tight end two. I think we like 90 plus targets last year. I think he's going to be his third year and take a little step forward. So he's a cheapie. You don't have to pay up and maybe he takes a step forward. Let's finish out with some tight ends that we are lower than ADP. Quickly, you have Logan Thomas on here and I'm assuming this is just an injury note. Yeah, I mean, Logan Thomas is you know in like his third year playing tight end he's going to be 31 years old coming off acl mcl and a meniscus injury and i think he's probably going to either start the season on pup or miss a few games to start the year so i have him in line i guess quote unquote with adp where he's currently the tight end 24 off the board i have him there as well just because it's how it worked out in my rankings but i have him way way below my overall ranks than people are taking him an underdog so i will have uh, maybe a couple of shares of logan thomas not much at all and it's not even just the injury like look at the offense now versus last season i take Jahan dotson in round one he's going to be an every down player for this team curtis samuel people forget is on this team he didn't play much last year but he is back assuming he plays more than six games or something you know his role as in the slot will take away from logan thomas and of course jd mckissick is back so where does he fall in line with targets maybe the fifth most targeted player when he's healthy sixth it's just there's no ceiling to me with logan thomas at this point in his career coming off that injury i can also see a scenario play out like you mentioned where we start getting news about like he's a pup candidate you know, he's, you know, he, I've already seen some pieces about him saying like, it's a longer recovery than he anticipated. So right now you said his ADP is 185. When you get some of these pieces, he will end up being in the two hundreds. Oh yeah. So there's no point of drafting him now. I get it. If you want to wait and you want to throw a dart at the very end of the year or end of your drafts and just say Carson Wentz targets tight end position. But yeah, there's, there's way more players involved than what we've seen in the past. So Logan Thomas is a player I'll have almost no exposure to. 
a player that I'm really sad about having very little exposure that you are also lower on is Demuth. Is he not going to be Luth this year? And with a rookie quarterback, I want him to. Because you have that, dude, you have that Pennsylvania connection. That is pretty cool. If you're a Steelers fan and you have Kenny Pickett from Pitt, you have Pat Fryermuth from Penn State. Dude, that's awesome. I, I'm kind of jealous for having that hometown love. But it's really hard for me to project the Steelers as a team. I want to be high on their pass catching options because of what we know rookie quarterbacks do. They can't sustain high end production across the board. I think Fryermuth, there's I don't think he's gonna catch as many touchdowns as he did this past year. So I am a little bit lower. How do you feel about your boy? Yeah, I think he's a screaming touchdown regression candidate when you look at where he kind of fell in the pecking order of uh, targets among the position and then touchdown uh, production. Almost all of his fantasy production came from from touchdowns. And, you know, if you think the Steelers are going to be better than Vegas says with their win total, then sure, take Pat Fryermuth. But, yeah, you're talking about Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris, Chase Claypool, all commanding targets. And then as well, if George Pickens works his way in the rotation, can Kenny Pickett support that type of touchdown production that we need from Pat Fryermuth if he's not going to get targets? So, yeah, he's, he's a tough player to, to take at his ADP. So for that reason, we're both lower than consensus. Yep, tied in 11 right now. That is way too rich for me. I would gladly take a shot on players after him. So Mike Gesicki, if you're stacking Dolphins and you say two is going to go off, we mentioned Rob Gronkowski. Uh, Irv Smith, Cole Komet, I would take all those guys. And then another name I just need to throw out there because I'm still processing how to handle, but David Njoku, tied in 19. He's only going to go up from here. So if you try to draft David Njoku now, like you're battling against people that got David Njoku as tied in 24 or whatever a couple weeks ago. Uh, he's another name just to monitor. But yeah, there's some there's some fun names. I think usually we say, hey, there's five or six tight ends and everybody else stinks. I think there's enough names where if you miss out and you can cobble together two or three tight ends at the end of your roster, I think that you know your roster construction is going to be different and you can piece it together. But no guarantees, of course, with tight end. But Pat Fryermuth, sadly, sadly we are lower. We're lower as a show too. I looked at our projections. Um, he might not be loose this year. That's sad. I hope for the sake of the show though that he is and we're just wrong. Well, that's the best part about fantasy football is, and fantasy footballers in general, our shows, is uh, you root for the people, but we're honest. Uh, but for me, it's all about just hitting drops. Like whenever we talk about Michael Pittman, just as a little behind the scenes thought, whenever we are in the studio and the guys are talking about Michael Pittman, I just, every time I say, hit that drop, hit that pity city drop every <laughs> single time because you pity city, I don't know if people know this or if they're old enough to remember, that started from this show. I know. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Don't let anyone forget that. No, and Mike will readily admit that, that one of the best drops on the show, one of the best nicknames on the show now that he loves, Pity City, was originally a DFS creation. So we got one thing, people. Uh, we got one thing over the main show. That's about it. But we are going to sign off and give Bets a warm, warm, uh, get some sleep, buddy. Uh, hope that you learn to live a different life as a dad. I won't have a choice, man. It's going to happen in the next couple of days. I'll miss you guys. You're in good hands until I'm back. Uh, like I said, I'll be behind the scenes working on some stuff, but I'll be back on the show in a couple of weeks. Until then, take care and uh, mow your lawn. Thank
Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.